0: We come now to the final chapter, uh, well, the rest of the final chapter of the book of Revelation and actually the entire Bible, and this section uh, of the book functions as kind of like an epilogue. So we've just read the story, Uh, we've had the moment where uh, the climax has occurred, and now we get to the parting words uh, from God, from Jesus, and uh, given to us through John, Uh, So that can be found in page number 1938 of the Pew Bibles. And we're looking at Revelation chapter 22, verses 7 through 21. And hear the word of the Lord. This is Jesus speaking here at the beginning, and he says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life. and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take, the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Well, imagine a young couple. They've been married for a few years. They have a few children. And the husband is uh, in the military. And he is about to be deployed for nine months somewhere on the other side of the world. As most of us know, marriage can be difficult even when everything is going perfectly. And so it's not hard to imagine how difficult it would be for both partners in a marriage when the husband is gone for nine months like that. And then imagine after six months into his deployment, he receives news that his deployment's being cut short. And so he very quickly gets on his phone or email and he lets his wife know, honey, I'm I'm coming home tomorrow. Can you imagine how wonderful that news would be for her? The struggle of getting the kids down to bed by herself every night is over. No longer will she have to deal with them missing their dad, her own loneliness, the constant fear that something could happen to him, all gone in a moment. He is coming soon. This is the effect of our passage today. When Jesus says, Look, I am coming soon. For those who love Jesus and have been faithfully waiting for him to return, we are excited and hopeful when we hear these words. This is the best news in the world for us because we know that our long, hard wait is finally over. And we're about to enter into a time where there really will be no more sadness, no more crying, and no more pain. The battle against sin and temptation will be done. The struggle with our failing bodies will be over. We are about to see him and become like him. We will know him fully. We will be in his presence finally. Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. The book of Revelation is about two different kinds of people. People who believe in Jesus, repent of their sins, faithfully wait for him in the face of trials and temptations and those who do not. For those who do not, the call is to come to him, to turn from sin, to believe That Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That he does have the keys to death and Hades, as he says he does in chapter 1 of the book. And that there is great reward for those who believe in Jesus. And great consequence for those who do not. Those who keep the words of the prophecy written on the scroll of this book will be blessed. Those who wait patiently and faithfully for Jesus will be blessed. And Christians are those who repent and are forgiven. We're made holy by Christ, and we will go to heaven. Christians are those who spend their life resisting sin and temptation, but not in order to go to heaven, but because We're going to heaven. We do it because we love Jesus. We're blessed because he makes us able to keep the prophecy written in this book. And so we live like a wife waiting for her husband to return. And the call of this book is if that is not you, there's still time. Because Jesus has not yet returned. All we have to do to become a Christian is repent and believe. We simply turn from our sin to Jesus and receive his mercy. And if we are a Christian and we have been unfaithful, which we all do from time to time or every day, all we have to do is repent and believe not to regain our salvation that we lost, but because we've been reminded that we love Jesus and our desire is to please him and to be found faithful when he returns. We even see this with John in our passage. He tells us, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and had seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. This is sin. John falls down and worships a creature. Now we can understand how he would want to do something like that. Because when this creature so reflects the glory of God, it it, it probably becomes hard to distinguish, well, is is this God or or the angel? Back in chapter 10, we get a picture of what one of these angels looked like. He, He tells us, then I saw another angel, a mighty angel, coming down from heaven... He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun, and his legs were like fiery pillars. (laughs) It It would be hard not to fall down and worship a creature that looked like this. We would be filled with so much fear and awe that we would want to worship an angel like this, something so glorious but no matter how wonderful the messenger is, he is still just the messenger. And Sometimes we are tempted to worship the thing that is meant to lead us into worship. I think in our modern context, sometimes the temptation is to worship our worship. Sometimes it feels so good to worship God, and if we're not careful, what we really want is more of that feeling. It feels really good to discover truth about God. And if we're not careful, what we really want is more of that feeling of being right, being the one who is in the know. We can never prefer the messenger over the one who the message is about. So the angel tells John, don't do that. Stop it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and all who keep the words of the scroll worship God. So it's fascinating that in this final passage of this final book of the entire Bible, where Jesus is calling us to wait faithfully for him because he's coming soon, we're told about his faithful servant John falling down and worshiping an angel. He he breaks the first commandment on center stage for everyone to see. And this story is here to remind us that waiting faithfully is different than waiting perfectly. Waiting faithfully means we wait in faith that God has forgiven our sins and will forgive all of our future sins. We, we wait repentantly, so when we see sin, we turn from it to God for His mercy. We wait with a resolve to please Him. Yet always returning to him for new mercy and new grace every day, as John must do here after falling down to worship the angel. John goes on, Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, because the time is near. In the Old Testament, the prophet Daniel was given prophetic visions like John is given here in the book of Revelation except Daniel was told to seal up the scroll and tell the time of the end. And so when the angel tells John not to seal up the scroll, his reason is because the time is near. The time of the end is now near, which means we are in the last days. We're in the last days that Daniel was looking forward to, and Jesus is now coming soon. This is a way of saying everything has now been revealed. Jesus has come. He has paid the final penalty for sins. He has ascended into heaven. He will return soon, and he could return at any moment. So, let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Admittedly, this is a very confusing verse. Because why would why would the angel tell John to let people keep doing wrong? Aren't we supposed to help? Aren't we supposed to say something? The truth is there is nothing anyone can do to stop a vile person from being vile. Remember there there are two different kinds of people. There are those who repent and believe and who will faithfully wait and there are those who will not. And this verse is acknowledging that this is simply a fact. Those who don't want to wait faithfully don't have to. No one can make them. But those who are waiting faithfully are encouraged to continue to wait faithfully, continue to do right, continue to be holy. But John is told to leave the scroll of the book of Revelation unsealed so that everyone can hear this warning. And just maybe someone who is vile and who is doing wrong will hear these words of this prophecy and be moved to keep them, that they too might be blessed. Then in verse 12, Jesus speaks again and he says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. So, first, he repeats himself as a reminder that he is coming soon and his reward is with him for those who are faithfully waiting for him. And then he will give to each person according to what they have done. So, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ will be judged according to Jesus' perfect righteousness. We will be judged. By the perfect life he lived in our place, and then we will be rewarded for how we have been faithfully waiting for his return. And those who have not put their faith in Jesus, who have not been waiting faithfully, will be judged according to what they have done. Paul tells us that there is no one who is righteous. No, not one. No one can stand before Jesus based on their own efforts. And then he says, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is a statement that means Jesus has power and authority over the present and the future. He has power and authority over time and eternity and creation. He has power and authority to reward and to judge. He is the one to whom every human being will have to give an account. And he is the one who is coming soon. Remember, in the book of Revelation, there are two different kinds of people. And so for some, this will be really good news, and for others, it is terrible news. And so John goes on to describe the difference between the two different kinds of people in verse 14 and 15. He says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So, notice those outside of the city are clearly identified as sinners. They're dogs, they're caught up in magic arts, and this word magic arts refers to people who who use drugs and who practice the occult. They are sexually immoral, so, anyone who uses their sexuality outside of the boundary of one woman and one man in holy matrimony, they are murderers, they're filled with hatred. They are idolaters, which means they worship this creation. They worship money, pleasure, power, security. Their mind and heart are consumed by things other than God. They lie. They practice falsehood. But then notice the contrast between those who have the right to the tree of life and who may go through the city. They're not characterized by their good behavior. They are those who wash their robes. Back in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation, we get a peek at Christians who have died and gone to be with God in heaven. And listen to how the angel describes them. He says, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You see, in chapter 7, we meet Christians who've died and gone to be with Jesus They've come out of the great tribulation, which is this life between the time of Christ's first coming and his second coming. And these Christians are those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. But in our passage, in Revelation 22, and the last word from Christ to those who are still living, we're told, blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. So for the Christians who've died and gone to heaven, it is in the past tense. They have washed their robes. But in our passage, it's the present tense. Blessed are those who are washing their robes. We wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb. It's an ongoing process. It's a lifelong process. We are constantly returning to the blood of the Lamb to wash our robes. It is a life of daily and sometimes moment by moment Repentance, constantly trusting that God is gracious as he has promised. Faithfully waiting for Jesus is not primarily about our obedience. What makes us faithful is our constantly returning to the blood of the Lamb to wash our robes. And when we wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb, we will turn from magic arts. We will turn from sexual immorality, murder, idolatry, and lying, because that's no longer who we are. We've washed our robes. Which is why it's important for us to see that it is not those who are morally perfect in their own strength who have the right to the tree of life. It is those who wash their robes. The invitation for all of us is to wash our robes, to turn to him from sin with sorrow, seeking his mercy, and to spend the rest of our lives washing our robes. There's nothing sweeter. There's nothing more precious than that flow that makes me white as snow. And as we do, we will more and more learn to live as people with unstained garments. Then Jesus goes on. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. So Jesus identifies himself as the source of the message and then he identifies himself as the long-awaited Messiah. He is the root, of, is the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. That's all language from the Old Testament describing the Messiah. And then we hear the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. So the invitation is simply to come. Come to Christ in faith for forgiveness of all of your sins and to wash your robes in the blood of the Lamb and to drink from the river of the water of life with no cost. The Holy Spirit invites you to come. The bride, the heavenly church who have washed their robes invite you to come. Those who hear and believe and who wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb invite you to come. Take the free gift of the water of life. And so Christian, I ask you this morning, are you thirsty? And maybe this morning, maybe there's someone here who's never truly repented of their sins and believed in Jesus as Lord and God and Savior, then come, believe, drink from the water of life, wash your robes in the blood of the Lamb, and he will take away your sin and your guilt. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've drifted. You've fallen into a pattern where, if you're honest, Jesus is not the burning hot center of your life. Even if we have known Jesus our whole life, sometimes we feel off, we feel disconnected. We fall into seasons of life where we forget how much we need to constantly wash our robes and to drink the free gift of the water of life. And maybe you'd love to turn it around, but you, you don't know how. Notice the invitation is simply to come, which means we receive this news by faith. We trust God's words are true. So maybe, maybe this morning the prayer is simply Jesus, make me come. Jesus, make me believe more. Give me more faith. Make me trust you more. And then we repent means we turn to God from our sin to his mercy and we confess maybe we have to confess our apathy our lack of love maybe we even have to confess our unwillingness to confess we confess our desire for pleasure security and power and then we believe we trust that there is a river of the water of life to drink from we trust that our robes are cleaned by the blood of the Lamb, that He has not only forgiven our sin, but He's purified us from our sinfulness. And then we worship. We worship. Just like the angel told John to do after his idolatry was exposed. Worship God. And we can only worship as He has taught us to worship Him. He wants to be worshipped how He has told us to worship. Worship through prayer, through hearing him speak in his word in our daily worship, through coming here and worshiping together as a body. And then we worship him through our obedience as we faithfully wait for his return. As Paul says in Romans 12, 1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. This means we live as if all that God says he has done for us is true, that all he says about us is true. We live as if we've been forgiven and freed from sin and guilt to worship him in spirit and in truth. And this pattern repeats itself from the beginning of the Christian life all the way through. We learn to live dependent on his daily grace and mercy, aware of our need to constantly come to him in repentance for more grace, and to resolve more and more to live in new obedience. We wash our robes, we drink freely from the river of the water of life. And then the conclusion of our passage begins with this warning I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. So as we sang earlier, there is only one gospel. The good news is that for all who repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus, we are forgiven. We've been remade into new creations who love God and keep his commandments. And Jesus will return one day to judge. And for those who know him and love him, this is a time we are waiting for and longing for. And for those who do not know him and love him, you are invited to come. Don't delay. Repent and believe he is coming soon. And anyone who changes this simple message by adding to it or taking away from it, they are someone who obviously does not believe and who will suffer the plagues in this book. And then we're told, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen, which simply means truly. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we recognize that in this room full of believers, our desire, Father, is for you to send your Son and for him to return, to wipe away our tears, to make all things new. And yet, Father, we also realize that there may be some here today who've never come to know you truly. We pray, God, that the reality of Jesus' imminent return will move them to long for your mercy and grace. And then for those of us who are in the middle, struggling with doubts and temptations and fears, God, may we be assured that all we need to do is come. Drink from the river of the water of life without cost. Wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb and trust that your words are true. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.